So the first reading is uh, from Isaiah, around about the middle of the Bible, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13 to 24. Isaiah 29, verse 13. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, he knows nothing? In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field and the fertile field seem like a forest. In that day the deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. Once more the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will vanish, the mockers will disappear, and all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those with a word uh, make those who with a word make a man out to be guilty, who ensnare the defender in court, and with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, who redeemed Abraham, says to the house of Jacob, No longer will Jacob be ashamed, no longer will their faces grow pale. When they, see among them, when they see among them their children, the work of my hands, they will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and, with, and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are wayward in spirit will gain understanding. Those who complain will accept instruction. I'm reading Matthew 6, verses 1 to 18. <clears throat> Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, 
they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven's near, so... Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you, my disciples. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is near, so repent. Your righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees. How? How can their righteousness be better than the Pharisees? Well, we've seen in chapter 5 that it's an inward righteousness that it's not just the minimum requirements of each commandment, but their maximum application in every area of life, even in your heart. Here in chapter 6, Jesus says, your righteousness is not just doing the right thing, but doing the right thing for the right reason. Or rather, doing the right thing for the right person. Let's pray that we hear Jesus and change. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words that Jesus spoke, that Matthew has recorded for us. We pray that you would help us to understand them, to see how they call us to change. And Father, by your Spirit, please enable that change to happen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus got a very simple, clear point all the way through. He states it really in chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, 
you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. It's a fairly clear point. You could apply it to all sorts of different areas. And Jesus drives it home. He makes it clear by applying it in three areas, three examples. First one, giving to the needy. Verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Giving to the needy is a good thing to do, isn't it? We think so, and God thinks so. In Deuteronomy 15, he says, Don't be tight-fisted, but be open-handed to the poor. But there's a way of giving to the poor that God hates. If you announce it with trumpets. Can you, can you imagine for a moment, there's a beggar on the street and a rich man's passing by and he's got a servant with him and the servant deliberately carries a trumpet. And so he sees the poor man, the beggar, and he sends his servant over there first to play the trumpet to get everyone's attention and then he hands over the coin. Or he turns up at synagogue and there's his servant playing in front of him, playing the trumpet to announce that he's come to give his coin. It's hard to believe that really happened, isn't it? We don't know whether it really happened or whether Jesus, as he often does, is being hyperbolic, whether he's exaggerating. But it doesn't really matter, really. In Jesus' day, people were deliberately public about giving to the needy. And Jesus says, publicity proves hypocrisy. You're pretending to give to the poor, but your real purpose is to be seen doing it, to be honoured by men. And if there's one thing that God hates, it's hypocrisy. Would people do this sort of thing today? We even have the phrase in our language, have you noticed? Blowing your own trumpet. I think it comes from this passage. And it's a negative thing to do, isn't it? But there are plenty of modern examples. How do people do this today? Give to the needy and make sure they get publicity. Well, if you're rich enough, you get a really big check made up with really big numbers on it, let out a press release and hand it over to the hospital so that everyone knows. And you make sure that the new building that you're giving it for is named after you. You get publicity. If you've got even more money or you think your name can attract other people to give, you set up a foundation. And the foundation has your name on it. So the biggest giver to the needy of all time in all human history did exactly that. Bill Gates was the richest man in the world. He gave away the largest sum of all time, the largest proportion of his wealth of all time, of all the philanthropists, to the needy of the world. And he called the foundation the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He didn't need to do that. If you're in a rock band and you want to raise money for a noble cause, you don't just give the money away. 
you hold a concert and everyone knows that the proceeds go to the needy. You go into a museum and you can see the list of benefactors on the wall, can't you? You can go into a church, St Stephen's Church on the hill up there. And a man who died in 1945, the plaque tells you, was a benefactor of this church. The plaque didn't need to say that, did it? Publicity proves hypocrisy. That's what Jesus is saying here. Now, you don't have to be extraordinarily wealthy to do this. You can ring up and give it a telethon and they will say your name on TV. You can buy a badge from a charity and stick the badge on your shirt. Or if they don't sell badges, you can simply tell people that you've given to the needy. Just drop it in to the conversation somehow. Jesus says your publicity proves hypocrisy. You're giving to the needy, but your real purpose is to be honoured by men. And Jesus says it works. Don't be fooled. This is a keen, accurate strategy to be honoured. You'll receive a reward. You'll be honoured by men. You'll receive your reward in full. Now, they used to have a stamp, and they'd stamp it on the invoice when you'd pay your money. Paid in full. That's what Jesus is saying here. That big check, paid in full. You've got your reward. That plaque on the church should have a sign on it saying, paid in full. For you've got the reward from people. And you will get no reward from your Father in heaven. He sees what's going on and he's not impressed. What should you do instead? Verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus says, don't seek publicity. Seek secrecy. Make sure you're not seen by men. Do it in secret. That's why uh, when people give at church, you should give either with an envelope or electronically so that no one can see how much you're giving. It's not just that you're not likely to have the sort of money that you want to give to church happening to be in your wallet each Sunday. It's that you need to keep it secret. That'll safeguard your sincerity. Philip Jensen, who's a famous preacher, coined this phrase, and I like it, and he said I could use it when I listened to it on a recording. He said, secrecy safeguards sincerity. That's Jesus' point here, isn't it? If no one knows about it, you can't do it to impress people. Jesus gives a really extreme example, doesn't he? How are you to give, verse 3? Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now there's an exaggeration, isn't it? I don't know about how your brain works, but when my right hand does something, my left hand, in fact, I can get them to work together. They are joined. Why does Jesus say it like that? Secrecy safeguards sincerity. I can give in secret and still give to be honoured by men. Do you know how? I'm seeking the honour of me. 
I'm trying to impress me. You know, I give something to the needy. I don't tell anyone about it. I give it with my right hand and I've got my left hand to give myself a pat on the back. Well done, Sean. That was really generous of you. In fact, you are so godly that you even remembered Jesus' command and you didn't tell anyone about it. Well done. I suspect that when we see a beggar on the street and we feel guilty, we're inclined to give, even though we don't know anything about what the person's going to give, going to do with the money, because we want to feel better, don't we? We want to be honoured by me. When a nice lady rings us on the phone from a charity we know nothing about and wants us to buy a teddy bear, we're inclined to give because we want to be honoured by me, not feel guilty, and seem okay to the nice lady on the phone. Secrecy safeguards sincerity. And if there's one thing that God values, it's sincerity. Pleasing your Father in heaven and not other people. Does this principle mean that you can't list your tax-deductible gifts on your tax return? No. Go ahead and mention them. Doesn't mention doesn't mean you can never mention who you support, that you can't tell your children. You've got to make sure that they think you never give money to anyone. No, of course not. You need to model these things. We need to encourage each other. But we need to be genuine about it. If we are hypocritical about our giving, we're trying to impress other people, then we need to repent, says Jesus, and be more secretive about it. Secrecy safeguards sincerity. You certainly never need to tell anyone how much you gave, do you? What would be the point of that except to impress? Give to the needy, says Jesus, to help the needy and to please your Father in heaven. The second example is prayer. Verse 5. When you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Again, prayer is a good thing, isn't it? We're depending upon God, we're trusting God, the Father loves to hear our prayers and he loves to answer them. But there's a way to pray that God hates. With hypocrisy. This time they don't use a trumpet. But it's the same idea. Standing in the synagogue, on the street corners, for publicity. Your publicity proves hypocrisy. You're doing it to be seen by men. In Jesus' day, it seems that people would be honoured if they prayed on the street corner. I think these days you might be laughed at in our society. Though people do do their prayers publicly, don't they, in a way that everyone knows. In many religions, it's done in such a way that it's very clear that everyone knows. Try and complete this sentence. Muslims pray five times a day. And we're all impressed by that. How do you know they pray five times a day? Because it's very obvious. 
It's done publicly. That's the way it's supposed to be done in Islam. There's no way you could have come up with that suggestion from this passage, is there? It's the complete opposite. All sorts of religions have rules like that so that people know that you are praying. Do Christians do that sort of thing? Are we guilty of that sort of thing? Yeah, we are, aren't we? When we pray together in groups, maybe you're in your Bible study group, we're all tempted to pray to be seen by men, aren't we? To be honoured. Some of us are simply too afraid to ever pray out loud because we're scared what others will think about how we pray. Some of us are scared, but we can overcome that fear because we want to make sure that we pray so that we look good that we've prayed. Other of, others of us are okay with the whole thing and want to pray well so that everyone's impressed by us. Whichever way you do it, you can do it to be honoured by men, can't you? And I think we're all a bit like that sometimes. We're praying to the Father, but we're really speaking to other people because the reward we want is to be honoured by men. Jesus says that works. You'll get the reward you want. You'll be paid in full, he says. What should we do? Verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Publicity proves hypocrisy, so don't do it. Secrecy safeguards sincerity. You can't be trying to impress other people by your prayers if no one else knows that you're praying. That's the principle there, isn't it? Some people think that this verse shows that you should never pray in public. Well, Jesus prayed in public very often, and his prayers are, are, are published for us. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to look at in a few weeks' time, in verse 9, he says, pray, our Father, which sounds to me like you're praying together in a group. So what sort of prayers is Jesus speaking against here? What's he saying in verse 6? Well, in all the other verses around this, it's plural. It's use. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. But verse 6 is not. It's singular. Verse 6. When you, singular, pray. When you are doing your prayers, you as an individual, do you see? Not you in a group, not praying together, not you leading the group of people. When you're saying your prayers, how should you do it? In front of people? No. Go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Imagine this, after the service this morning when we're all having morning tea, it, it, it's obvious what we're supposed to be doing, encouraging each other as we enjoy morning tea together. But one of you says, I always pray at 11.15. It's my time to pray. I'm going to sit down close my eyes and put my hand together and, and pray. So you start. You could be doing it in silent 
or out loud, it doesn't really matter, eventually someone will come over and say, are you okay? Is everything all right? And you'll say, oh yes. This is, always, this is the time I always say my prayers. I have to pray now. What have you just done? Your publicity proves your hypocrisy. That's what Jesus is speaking about. Your prayers, when you pray, should be done in secret so that you're not doing them to, prove, to impress other people. When you are in a small group and it's prayer time, I encourage you to pray. We're all praying, whether you're praying it silently or out loud. When you're in a family gathering and there's a bit of quietness after the meal and you can manage to do it and you pray together, I encourage you, pray. If someone shares a concern with you, and it seems the right time and appropriate to pray with them, then please do. Jesus is not speaking against that. But be mindful. Publicity can prove hypocrisy, so be careful. Secrecy safeguards sincerity. Number three, fasting, verse 16. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. This third one seems like the odd one out, doesn't it? Fasting is a good thing to do, it says, in the Old Testament. It's a sign of repentance towards God. It's a sign of mourning for sin. There were particular days you had to fast on, and at other times you could fast as you turn to God. It's not really popular in our circles, is it? More importantly, Jesus' disciples did not fast. In Matthew chapter 9, just three chapters later, the disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus and say, why don't your disciples fast? Jesus does not say, they do actually, they just put oil on their heads so you can't tell and they do it secretly. Oh yes, they do fast. No. He admits they don't fast. And he explains why. How can they mourn when I am with them, says Jesus. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets, says Jesus. I'm like the bridegroom. Being with me is the place to be. It's a time for joy. Fasting would be like refusing to eat at your own wedding reception, he says. So my disciples do not fast. Is it still like that for us, his disciples? Yes, says Matthew 28. Make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I am with you always to the end of the age. I think that's why the letters in the New Testament never mention fasting. Two times it's mentioned in the book of Acts that the disciples did it when they were setting apart leaders for a particular role. So it's not wrong to fast, but it's not a normal part of the Christian life. It's certainly not commanded. So here in Matthew 6, Jesus is not endorsing fasting. It's just another example. It's the third example of hypocrisy. For few things are easier to advertise than fasting. Have you ever fasted for whatever reason and seen someone during the day 
someone will say to you at some point, why aren't you eating? It's obvious, isn't it? And the people in Jesus' day made it more obvious by disfiguring their faces. Publicity proves hypocrisy. And there are plenty of religious groups who fast even today and make sure people know about it, aren't there? What should you do instead? Jesus says, verse 17, When you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father. I take it that putting oil on your head in those days was normal. This wouldn't work today, would it? People would ask you, what's the oil on your head doing? Why should you do that? Your fa- uh, so it's obvious only to your Father who's unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Secrecy safeguards sincerity. The Father sees what's done in secret and the Father will reward you. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus applies it to to giving to the needy, to praying and to fasting. What's the key issue how will their righteousness surpass that of the Pharisees? It's more than just rules, isn't it, than what you do publicly and what you do in secret. He's saying your righteousness is not just what you do or even where you do it. It's who you do it for. Do you do it to be seen, to be honoured by men, Or do you do it to be seen by your Father in heaven? Put it another way. Who is it that you want to please? When you put it that way, you can see that it's far wider, isn't it, than giving to the needy or prayer or fasting. For you can do many, many things to be honoured by men. Church, when we get together, gives us lots of opportunities. I have to prepare a sermon? Am I doing it to be honoured by you to see what response I'll get over morning tea? Or do I prepare and preach to please my heavenly Father? Jesus is showing here that if I do it to be honoured by you, on a good day, I'll get my reward. One or two people at least will thank me. And they might remember for a while a story I said. Or something that was funny. I'll get my reward. But not from my heavenly father. Is that worth it? Well, in the end, my name will just be on the list of the senior minister's list up in Old St. Stephen's, which someone will look at every couple of years. And the people who remember, eventually, to be frank, will be gone. And the reward will not be worth it. It's the same for anyone who does anything up front at church, isn't it? You can do it wanting to be honoured by men. The Bible reading, the singing, the music, whatever it is, you can do it to be honoured by men. It's not worth it. What about things that we do that others don't see? That's the real test in a way, isn't it? 
If you're doing things to please others, will you keep on doing the things that no one sees? Will you keep on doing your own Bible reading and prayer at home, which you are deliberately doing in a way that other people see? Will you keep on at it just to please your Father in heaven? Will you be concerned about your thoughts as well as your actions when the only person who sees them is your Father in heaven? Will you keep on seeking to be righteous when the only person who sees it is your Father? Will you keep on with those things that no one sees? Or what about the things that people do see but people do not reward? Having integrity at work. And no one rewards you for it. In fact, you're passed over for a promotion. Will you keep on at it? What about ministry at church, the sort of ministries that are not up front and that no one sees, and if they do, they're not likely to reward you? If you're on the cleaning roster, there's only two people who know about that. The secretary who puts the roster together and the minister who lives on site and happens to see the people turn up in their car. No one else knows. Will you do it to please your Father in heaven? I try to lead my family in some sort of devotion after dinner time. Sometimes it goes well. Most of the time it does not. Bits of food get put in glasses of water. The dog decides it's time to bark. The loudest he's barked all day. Will I keep on doing it? The question is, who are you trying to please? People or your father in heaven? If you're trying to please your father in heaven, Jesus says, he will reward you. For he sees and he will reward you. What is the reward? do you think, that the Father gives? We almost feel crass, don't we, hearing that Jesus says we'll get a reward, but that's what he says. Is it a trophy or as a certificate like at school? No. Is it a better room in the Father's house in heaven? No. It's nothing so piddly as that, I reckon. The reward is the thing itself in a way, isn't it? You give to the needy, if you want to give to the needy, it's a reward itself to give to the needy, isn't it? If you want to pray to the Father, it's a reward itself to pray and know that he hears. But it's more than that here, I think. The Father will give the kingdom to those who want to please him. And deeper than that even, if your goal is to please the Father, well, do you think that he's hard to please, our Heavenly Father? But even when you make it your goal to please him, he's still frowning and saying, that's not good enough? No, in the cross of Jesus, his wrath has been satisfied. We have been made his children. And like a good earthly father, he's delighted when we want to please him. What is our reward deep down? Is that it's knowing that the father is pleased, which is just the reward we wanted. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to have a righteousness that's inward. 
We pray that we would not just do the right thing, but do the right thing for the right person. Help us to know our hearts. Help us to come to you in repentance when we need to. We pray that you would grant us mercy and that you would change our hearts so that we do whatever we need to do to please our Father in heaven, knowing that you see what is done in secret and will reward us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.